Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here and uh, another very special guest today, all the way from San Francisco, uh, Mr. Joe Coey. How are you, my friend? I'm well. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate yeah, I just you. got to check. Did I did I, I pronounce your surname correctly, didn't I? You did. Yes, you sure I did. did. Yes, you did. I've you been did. practicing. I've been practicing. <laughs> Good. So how's the um how's the week been and well how's the year been for you over in uh, over in San Francisco? It's been a good year. Uh, people are getting back into normal a little bit, and now uh, the holiday season was pretty strong, and uh, we're going into 2023 with plans. And you know, life goes on. Hopefully, we've gotten over the COVID and all of its. You know, it's still going, but uh, people have just become little numb to it and it's just like life goes on it does it's amazing how things change and how the narrative changes because over in australia uh we've just had a number of elections here but um there's no longer the manic reporting of covid cases as they were played 12 months ago it's still a lot of cases but they've even removed the availability of pcr testing you need you now need to get i think from the first of january you need to get a um uh, a doctor's certificate or a referral to go and get a PCR test. So um, mm-hmm. you're, you're right; it's just getting back to normal. But um, hey, we're not here to talk about COVID. No, we're here to talk about don't. sales, <laughs> sales, <laughs> sales leadership. <laughs> yes, indeed. So yes, indeed. for the listeners, um, Joe, you're the founder of SalesX, a digital um, digital agency. We're going to talk about that. But um, before we jump into sales and sales leadership. I'd love to get your thoughts on the whole thing around sales and the ecosystem around sales. Uh, love to get a bit of background for the listeners on you and um, and what what got you into sales and and I guess we'll get to the point as to why you why you started SalesX as an organization. Yeah, so uh, early on in my career, I studied engineering and I got a job straight out of college as an engineer, and I uh, went through manufacturing engineering and I ended up in the R&D department as a liaison between the R&D guys and the customers. So if the customers had a problem, this was a, in a semiconductor equipment. If the customers had a problem, they would call the product managers. And the product managers were the experts on the product. They would call yeah. the field service engineers then, get escalated to the product managers. And if the product managers couldn't solve it, it'd get escalated to R&D, which means it would land on my desk. And I would look at some of these problems and I'd be like, the customer is asking for a functionality that this system does not exist. It's not within the spec of the system to do this functionality. So I'm not sure why it's in their head that this system is going to do this. So then I walk over to the building where all the salespeople are, uh, which are the people that sold them the system. And uh, the building was completely empty. There was nobody there. Just uh, some admin was sitting at the front desk. I'm like, where's everybody? There's no sales people, no sales managers. There's nobody. The yeah. whole building is abandoned. And she was like, well, they're all in Hawaii because they hit their quota and they're in President's <laughs> Club in Hawaii. <laughs> like, <laughs> so these guys, they, they sold this thing, doesn't exist, like functionality. I'm stuck dealing with the client 
for the customer and they're off to Hawaii, I'm on the wrong side of the equation. Here. <laughs> I, need be, I need to be on that side. So I went back to school, I, I got my MBA, and then I leveraged that to get a job at Oracle uh, back in the year, like 99, 2000. Yeah. And so during the, you know, right after the dot-com crash, I was at Oracle doing inside sales. They, they had this direct marketing department where you had to make the 50 calls a day type thing. Yeah. And uh, I did that for a few years, then went on to uh, have a sales career in enterprise software uh, for about 10 years. And then after 10 years in the year 2010, I decided I'm going to do a sales consulting company where I can help people, you know, set up their sales teams, um, get their collateral together, set up a CRM, get their messaging together, you know, help them sell. And uh, what happened is my first handful of clients, they all had really crappy websites. They, you know, before they could do any selling, they had to have a, you know, presence on the web and their presence on the web, just awful. Hmm. I'm like, okay, I guess I can learn how to do websites. I'm an engineer. I can figure that out. And I started doing these WordPress sites for these guys. Then they all needed SEO, search engine optimization, so that the search results would pull up their websites. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll learn how to do SEO and I'll do the SEO. Then they all needed ads because to use SEO, you can't beat the incumbents that have been using SEO for a long time. SEO is like a time-based thing. So then I, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll learn how to do Google ads and started doing the Google ads. And then from there, I had a bunch of um, like 30 different clients that were all in the same franchise organization. So I needed to create automation so that I don't have to do the same thing 30 times, but for different geographies. And then we started doing automation and then just started scaling the business, going down that path. So it was in a way, in a way it's called sales X and not marketing X because it was supposed to be like a sales consulting company, but we still stick to our sales roots in that we still provide the sales consulting to our advertising clients you know, at, at, uh, at no charge, we just related to the advertising business. Yeah. So it's more like, how do you leverage advertising technology to have more better qualified leads that close instead of just any lead? Yeah. Um, because what I remember when I was in sales, uh, one of my, uh, I, was a, I was a director of sales for a software company and uh, uh, the CEO of the company would send us to these uh, trade shows and he would buy like uh, half a dozen iPads and iPods and stuff like that. And he would put them on display with a fishbowl and be like, put your card in here and we'll do a drawing at the end of the day and you can win an iPod. And then would come back and be like here's 700 leads and i'm like those are not leads buddy <laughs> that is not a lead <laughs> so um anyway so just because somebody has a pulse it doesn't make them a lead so that's what at sales like we we help people go after kind of the glengarry leads yeah uh, yeah and it sounds like it, It and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like it almost happened by accident, right? You were starting a sales consultancy business. You had 
some organizations that were needing to get a presence on the web or they had no presence. So one thing led to another and all of a sudden you've now got a digital agency that is doing a whole host of things uh, rather than being, I guess, intentional to say, hang on, this is this is the market need. I'm going to fill that need and therefore I'm going to create sales X. It's amazing how things evolve, isn't it? Yeah, we had to pivot several times in that first year, including pivoting of uh, how we actually charge customers. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, we were sending invoices and people weren't necessarily paying on time. Yeah. So I, I and I, I'm not a kind of guy that's going to chase somebody down for payment. It's just not my style. So then we pivoted that and we're like, okay, we'll we'll have your credit card on file, and when the time comes, we'll just run the charge. Yeah. You know? So so yeah, we had to pivot several times in the first year, and then from there it kind of took off on the agency front instead of the sales consulting front. Which is, you know, realistically, it's more scalable. It's not dependent just on me. Mm. I have a team that's, you know, I've been able to scale. And it's better for me because I just get to do what I like most, which is thinking. And, you know, I do the thinking. They do the the grunt work. So, so is, uh, are you sitting in your thinking chair now? Do you have a different thing? Yeah, this is my, <laughs> my, my Ferrari chair. <laughs> sensational because i was going to ask you how that um it came and evolved into sales x rather than marketing x and you still do sales consultancy if you look at the if you look at the structure of the business in terms of what you do today how much of how much of i guess the um the business that you run is the is the marketing led stuff the seo components versus the sales consultancy component because it's interesting you might have started off with an intention but as you say you've pivoted so what's what's the sort of percentage breakdown now yeah, so we don't actually do the SEO or the web development. We just do the paid ads, okay. right? So the Google ads and Bing and Facebook ads. Uh, basically, what it comes down to is we help educate the sales leaders and the marketing leaders in our client organizations about which metrics to track in order to really succeed in their business. Mm-hmm. So the problem with typical digital agencies or the problem with this industry is that there are a lot of metrics, right? That's the beauty of digital. And it's also, it's kind of like the dirty little secret about digital is that there are a lot of metrics, right? So um, there's a thousand and one ways of presenting data so that it looks good, but there's only one, like in, in sales, there's only one metric that counts, which is, did you close the deal? Yes. You know? Did they sign on the line, which is dotted? That's like the ultimate metric, okay? Did it did it add to the bank balance? Yes or no? That's the only metric that counts in sales. As, as I like to say, sales is not an Olympic sport. You either win or you get nothing. So, uh, so in the digital world, there are a lot of different metrics and you could, you could talk to people about all kinds of different things and it make things sound really good, mm. right? There's a book called How to Lie with Statistics, uh, which which is like, I, I remember my stats class for my undergrad, the teacher is like, here's, here's a book you guys got to read to be aware of it when other people are doing it to you. Mm. Um, and uh, it's the only book I remember from those days. But never, uh, nevertheless, so there's there's a lot of metrics and, and the key metric that sales leaders and marketing leaders and CEOs of companies, they need to concern themselves with I would say is cost per closed lead. So the cost per closed lead 
is not something that a digital agency will ever talk to you about. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not in control of it. Because there's yeah. somebody that has to close the deal. That's it. Right. And then report that back. And that's out of the control of the digital agency. So if they start talking about that, it might make them look bad. Mm. So they'll, they'll talk about how many clicks you got. What's your cost per click? How many impressions you got? How many times your ads were shown? What kind of ads were shown? Was it your brand ads or was it non-brand ads, generic ads? What channels were the ads shown in? You know, who, what times were the ads shown? You know, those kinds of things though, but they won't talk about what was the cost per closed lead. They'll talk about cost per lead. What was the cost per call? What was the cost per lead? What was the cost per, you know, in e-commerce, you could talk about cost per new customer acquisition, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But for lead gen environments, uh, the tracking of the cost per closed lead is kind of the cup of Christ. It's the you know the philosopher the the, the philosopher's stone, if you would. The um, the Shangri La of success is <laughs> tracking the cost per closed lead, and and so what happens is by having your fingers on that pulse you will find out stuff about your business that you didn't even know about your own business. Yeah. You will learn stuff about your own business that you didn't even know. Yeah. Uh, I can give you a couple of examples of that. Um, sure. One of uh, our clients, they were going after a certain type of lead, right? They were in the debt relief industry and they were saying people with debt of between a hundred and $150,000 are our ideal customers yeah then the next level was like between like 70 and 100 and then 20 to 70 or 50 to 70 something like that and it was just like they had these different tiers mm -hmm. and they thought that the highest tier was their best customer and we started tracking this cost per closed lead we're like all right what we'll do is when we generate a lead for you there's a google click id which is a unique identifier that's associated with every single click that you buy from Google. We'll pass that ID along with the lead. Mm -hmm. What you do on your side is you create a field in your CRM and allow that ID to live in the CRM along with the lead. And then as the lead goes down the closing stages, when it closes, then you send that ID back to us. Mm -hmm. And then we'll check back and we'll see who was it? How old was it? Was it male? Was it female? What time of the day was it? What day of the week was it? What was the originating search term, which is what they put in to the Google search box? Yeah. Which one, what kind of lead was it? How much they were asking, you know, to refinance, re, uh, blah, blah, blah. And what we found is that their best customers were actually not those guys the people that owed the most money. Their best customers were the next tier down. The mid tier. Because, yeah, it was like the 70 to 100K tier mm -hmm. instead of 100 to 150K tier. And the reason is that the people in the higher tier, they were putting in debts that were not refinanceable, so to no. speak. Yeah. There was like, you couldn't negotiate, for example, this... I don't know, your second mortgage or your student loans or whatever it was. This is yeah. like there were certain types of debts that didn't belong in that 
calculation. And these guys weren't educated enough to know that, educated in that field enough to know that. So they were putting the wrong thing and they weren't closing. So the, the ones that were closing were actually the next one down. And these guys, they, they were able to um, pivot their entire business, refocus it on this other message. And there were other learnings from it, uh, such as they were looking like the people, they were buying leads from mailers. They were mailing people stuff. And then they were getting replies from people filling out the mailer or calling in. And their salespeople, they didn't like necessarily the web leads, right? They were like, oh, the internet leads, they're not as good. I said, okay, well, they're not the same. They're different. Internet leads are more fickle than mm -hmm. referral leads or like mail-in leads, stuff like that. But they are as good. And so if your salespeople are a bit spoiled on that front, why don't you hire some people and just make them internet sales reps and make these guys just to deal with the internet reps? Yeah. And then all of a sudden the close rate on these web leads started going up. So that was just one example of how these people, they found out about their business. They found out who are their ideal customers and they found out how to have different types of salespeople for different types of leads in order to maximize efficiency. And all of that, came from tracking the lead all the way to closure yeah. and feeding that back into the Google Ads system. And so that, that part of it is kind of like mashing up engineering, sales, and advertising into just you know one nice mix to get the maximum benefit from it. And I don't, I don't want this to sound... Um fickle but that's common sense right so as a sales organization as a as a as a ceo of a company you know i'd be wanting to i'd be wanting to get some numbers around what is our close rate what's our conversion rate what are we actually booking in to bill right so um that's that's just logical but it sounds like and you've kind of alluded to this that most organizations in the world look at different metrics and they think they're the metrics that are the leading indicators and and as as sales, I guess digital agencies, marketing agencies, <clears throat> would it be fair to say that most of them also lead with cost per click, um, that sort of those sort of metrics, rather than delving into because what you're talking about is essentially having to build a much closer relationship with your organisation to really look in, and from an organisation's point of view, there has to be a level of vulnerability there to show you how capable their sales team is right. in order to get that information. Actually, it's really good that you said what you just said because you just made the same mistake that most organizations make. Because the, what are the, you said, what are the close rates and what are the conversion rates? Yeah. And that makes sense, right? How many leads am I converting? How, mm. how many clicks am I converting into leads? Oh, I got a hundred clicks. I got three leads. My conversion rate is three percent. Yeah, a hundred leads. I got ten leads. My conversion rate is ten percent. Mm. Or what's the close rate? I got ten leads. I got one deal. My conversion rate is ten percent. Mm. I got twenty leads. I got five deals. You know, whatever it is, my conversion rate is forty percent. So those are actually what people are measuring. But what I'm saying is, those are the wrong things to measure. Yeah, they're not deep enough. Mm. They're deep. 
Yeah. They're better than how many clicks I got, how many impressions I got, how many times were my ads shown. Those things are superficial to the max. Hmm. The things that you're saying, they're deep because they are what counts. But what I'm saying is they need to go deeper. Yeah. They need to go deeper because I'll give you an example that'll clarify that. We did an audit on an account where they had five different campaigns running. Okay. And we noticed while we were doing the audit and we had access to their Google ads uh, and we still have access to their Google ads, but we, we noticed that, oh, they're actually putting the closed lead data back into Google ads. So they've set that up properly, which is rare. Okay. It's, it's hard to do and it's rare. Uh, and they had done it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 as soon as I saw that, I'm like, wait, I want to analyze this. So I started analyzing from these five campaigns, what's the cost per closed lead? So when you look at the five campaigns combined, the average cost, like average uh, conversion rates and average uh, cost per leads, cost, cost per conversions, stuff like yep. that, they're all very close. Those leads are costing about 300 bucks a pop and they're converting at X percentage. When you look at the averages, they're mm-hmm. all very close. But when you look at the cost per closed lead, you notice that the average cost per closed lead for this particular company was like $17,000. 17000 so Yeah. So for, you know, they have their lifetime value of a client's like yeah. over 200, 300 K. So 17000 is not actually that bad for them, right? The, the, the fees that they charge is about four or 5,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And the average client stays with them for several years. So 17,000 is not awful. It, it yep. could be better, but it's not awful. But out of the five campaigns, one of these campaigns, the average cost per close de- deal was 9,000. So it was just about half for one of these campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to the averages some of the campaigns like one of the campaigns was like twenty four thousand. the rest of them were like in the 15 16,000 but there was one that was like under 10,000 I'm like huh let me look at this campaign so I started looking closer at that campaign and I noticed that the keywords that are yielding those leads these guys as impressions for those keywords is only at about 15%, which means out of every hundred times that people are, that they have an opportunity to show an ad for those keywords, their ads are only showing 15% of the time. Hmm. So 15 times their ads showing, 85 times their ads not showing. Yeah. And the, the diminishing marginal return usually hits at about 80%, 75-80%. So really, they're leaving about 65% of the impressions that could cost them nothing more than what they're getting on the table. And they're instead, they're paying for these other super expensive cost per close lead yeah. impressions. So I'm like, all right, let me do the analysis. Assuming that the close rate stays exactly the same. They don't improve. Even though you're getting the same softball down the middle, you're still not hitting any more out of the ballpark. Let's just assume that for a minute, just for the sake of this conversation. What would happen if we ran that impression rate, keeping all the other rates the same, if we could increase that impression 
share up to 80%. The click-through rate, keep it the mm-hmm. same. The close rate, keep it the same. Conversion rate, keep it the same. All of it, keep it the same, which won't be the case because if you're focusing on something, you're going to continue to improve on that. Exactly. So let's just say keep it the same. We found that they could have had the same number of closed deals during the same amount of time, period of time, with 900K instead of 1.6 million. So they were they left 1.5 million. So they left really 600K on the table during a four-month period. So roughly about $150,000 a month. Wow. Out of it, like a $320,000 a month budget. They were basically leaving half of their budget overspending on it because they didn't do this analysis of the cost per closed lead. Because when you're looking at these other things, what are the conversion rates? What are the close rates? It dilutes the main picture, which is what's the cost per closed lead per these types of leads. Mm. And the thing that I'm talking about is when you're effectively have that feedback loop, then you can grade leads. You could say, oh, these are the A leads. Mm-hmm. Let's spend all of the money we can to get as many A leads as we can. Then there's the B leads. Maybe they close, they take longer to close. Yeah. They don't close as fast. Maybe the deal size isn't as big. Then there are the C leads. They're like, oh, they're good for cash flow, but they're not going to make us rich. There are no D leads. The rest are F leads. So if your budget can just go towards all A leads, then you just throw the B leads, the C leads, and the F leads to the competitors. Mm. If you have more budget, then you first max out your A leads, then go after the B leads. And max out the B leads, then go after the C leads. Mm. Don't spend money on the F leads. Throw those to the competitors. And you're saying don't don't spend money on iPads as well and don't get people to put a a business card in your fishbowl? Right. (laughs) No, no, those are the F leads. (laughs) There's no D leads in those. Those The obvious obvious question from that, Joe, is uh, a company is sitting in and you've got a you know director of sales or director of marketing thinking we've got to we've got to improve this, right? We're not we're not getting as bang as much bang for a buck you know we are leaving six hundred thousand dollars on the table based on that example um and you're saying let's let's throw more money at at the a leads right um what criteria would organize because sometimes people are going to be thinking well, how do i differentiate it what does an a lead look like for me what does a b lead look like for me what's the d lead is it is it the value is it the lifetime value is it the conversion time uh is there sort of criteria that we look at or you look at from a from a marketing and sales perspective to to consult with these organizations to, I guess, give them some insights is as to where they should be funneling their, their, their money in terms of um, marketing. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to what are the designations that they have in the CRM? So typically marketing is generating the leads. And if marketing says this is a lead, then in the CRM, they call that a marketing qualified lead MQL, mm-hmm. right? Then the salespeople, they look at it and they're like, oh, I don't know. This is, you know uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good lead. Then they, they say, yeah, okay, that's a sales qualified lead. Yeah. Then they call that lead. And if they have a conversation, ends up in the funnel. Yeah. Right. And it ends up in the funnel as 10% six months from now. And then if after three weeks ends up at 50% a month from now, then that might be a C lead. Mm-hmm. 
if it ends up as 90% in two weeks, then that might be a B lead, you know, and if it closes on the first call, it might be an A lead. Mm. So it depends. And what happens is once, once you buy, that's the beauty of um, kind of buying the clicks is that you get all that information about the short of the person's name, the person that actually clicked, you basically yeah. get yeah. all the other information. Yeah. You get when it was, what time of day, where they came from, you know, what day of the week, what was their gender, what was their age, what's their education level, all of that stuff where they, you know, um, what you get it from, from buying leads. So that stuff is all sitting in that Google click ID, mm -hmm. what's called a G clip. So the G clip gets passed on and then we could download that information from the CRM and push it back into the system and analyze for it and then be able to tell, oh, okay, this lead came in, it was immediately turned into a sales qualified lead and it closed within a week and it was the maximum tier of our deal size. Yeah. That's an A lead. A lead, yeah. Okay, let's see what was the originating search term for that because in digital advertising, you hear all things, you, you hear the word keyword a lot. Like you're like keyword this, keyword that, keyword, 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 keyword all day long. Yeah. But what you don't, the, the term that you don't hear is search term. So keyword is what's triggering, uh, the search term is what's triggering the the, the keyword. Mm -hmm. So So the search term is what you type in to the Google search box. The clients, they're not typing in necessarily your keyword. They type in the search term. That search term matches with the keyword and then an ad triggers. Well, before that, the auction happens and auction happens and then the ad triggers. Yeah. Uh, and the winner of the auction ends up on top and so on. Um, but once we're tracking the GCLIT all the way to the end, we could go back and say, what was the search term? And that, that search term could be a like a sentence or a few a few keywords put together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you say a keyword, a keyword by itself can be a sentence. Yeah, right. It's not just a word. That's just yeah. That's just what they call it. But a keyword could be four or five words strung together, mm. right, uh, or more. the The search term is what's triggering the keyword, and so we can look and see. All right. If that search term is where the money is, how many people a month are searching for that term? Yeah. How many people a month are typing in that same search term? Mm. You know, and then how many of those are we getting? Let's go after those first. Yeah. Let's just go after those with a vengeance with every penny that we have. Let's go after yeah. those first. Get them all. Yeah. At any price. It doesn't matter. This example that I gave you earlier, their cost per click was. Uh, when they started with us, their cost per click was around seven bucks. Okay. But their cost per closed lead was around 700 bucks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for every hundred clicks, they were getting like one deal. Yeah. Okay. Six months after they started working with us, their cost per click was like 23 bucks. Mm -hmm. So their cost per click just tripled, more than tripled. 
but their cost per lead, their cost per closed lead was like, it became like $95 instead of okay. 700. Yeah. So yeah, they were paying three times the price, but those things were like dead center of the dartboard. You know, they were just dead on target and they were closing one out of every three clicks. Well, there you go. Because then when, I, then when you talk about conversion rates, that's a much better conversion rate than perhaps they were they were used to or what most people, what my, most companies look at. Yeah, because the, all that leads were A leads. At yeah, that point, yeah. You know, because they they didn't have so much money that they could buy up all the A clicks. Yeah. They, you know, they could use all their money and buy all A clicks and there'd still be a lot of A clicks out there. Mm. But yet they were buying all these other clicks that mm. they didn't need to buy because yeah. they were leaving the A clicks on the table. Yeah. So, yeah, so the key is to uh, kind of help your salespeople succeed by giving them the leads that have the highest probability of closing. Which brings us to an interesting point. I mean, I've been having this conversation a lot, particularly with clients recently in relation to pipeline and a, and a rolling pipeline, right? And I'll be interested in your in your take on this. My, my background being in corporate sales and B2B, it's almost always the the hard metric was you needed to have a pipeline in a rolling 90-day period of three times your target, right? So in the world that you now work in, where you're talking about cost per close lead, um, how important is this for sales organizations to not necessarily look at the rolling pipeline, but to look at some of the key metrics you've been talking about to notice how we can actually convert as many as we can those A, a leads? What's your thoughts on this? this fixation that many organizations have on this extenuating pipeline over a period of 90 days. Right. Well, the pipeline is uh, a unit of measure for the salesperson's productivity and the salesperson's success. Like it's like their activity, their productivity, their success, their uh, persistence, ingenuity, all that stuff. Right. If you don't have deals that you're working on, then you're probably not working. Uh, <laughs> So that's, in Hawaii. That's, yeah, that's what the pipeline is like. You're like, you know, you're just checking Instagram or whatever. You know? <laughs> but the thing that I'm talking about is kind of before the pipeline happens, right? Which is how do we target so we can generate the best leads that can generate the highest pipeline mm. and the best fastest closing pipeline so yeah so um you know it's maybe i'm indoctrinated into the whole pip pipeline thing too because my background is enterprise sales yeah and i remember sitting at oracle and going through my deals you know in the pipeline and the one-on-one -on -one with my with my manager and like what about this have you talked this do you, do you know who the budget is and do you know who the decision makers are and who's your backup for the for the PO and you know what's your commit and what's your upside and all that stuff that's related to the pipeline. Yeah. Like great. But you know, at the end of the day, we had to just go into the database and like call people just at random. We didn't get any like legit leads. We were the telesales people, so we were like bottom of the, you know, there was a couple more tiers below us, but you know. But we weren't like the account executives that got like the Glengarry leads. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is the Glengarry leads. I'm like, how do we generate these Glengarry leads 
so that they close at the highest probability and the mm -hmm. fastest and they're the better faster cheaper type stuff yeah yeah, yeah. which means that <clears throat> excuse me the other the other part of this of course is um having a good sales team and having a having a sales team of good quality sales people sales executives to be able to convert these leads because I, I imagine you can do some magnificent work in identifying the a leads based on search terms yeah. and, and stuff right but I'm, I'm interested in your in your perspective on and how how and does this where your sales consultancy potentially comes into it as well in helping helping sales teams when you can see that perhaps their their conversion rates or their conversion opportunities are not being taken full advantage of is that something you get involved in? Because I can I can imagine that organizations would look at the work that you do and the money that they have to invest in in getting those leads. And it'd be easy to say, hey, these are not working because our conversion rates are low. So it must be you guys at SalesX. But you're looking at it from a completely different perspective and thinking, well, hang on a second, maybe we don't have quality salespeople. So how, how much is the work that you do getting involved in helping once those leads are delivered Right. helping these guys potentially convert it with with i don't know sales training or sales um sales capability yeah so great question again um so there are two aspects of this one is what's the difference between internet leads and other leads right are they equal that's mm -hmm. that's the first question and they're not internet leads are inherently more fickle because if somebody is going through the internet and putting in their information, yeah, then they probably went to five different places and put in that same information, and so there are more people coming. So uh, I used to I used to say that look, if you're eating a sandwich and the internet lead comes in, put down the sandwich. Don't don't take your next bite. Just call them right there on the spot. So yeah. internet leads are fickle. You need to be on it. You need to be kind of the first to get them and build rapport and involve them so that when other salespeople call, they've already kind of gotten this uh, process started with you and they've gotten some initial things going and commitments running. And yeah, they're, they're just going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm taking care of for now. If, if this doesn't pan out, I'll call you back. That's, that's the first part of it. The second part of it is that... Um, uh, if you're making appointments where like we, ha we have a client, they have like 30 uh, daycare centers, right? And they have these open houses where they have people come in and they want to get like a thousand people into the open house because they have these daycare centers that just in America, yeah, we have these daycare centers that are the size of bowling alleys, you know, and they have <laughs> inside the daycare center and everything oh, wow. else. Yeah, so... They want to like really show off this. They have this really high production open house things that happen. And they were saying like, hey, you know, we call people. We we book them to come to the open house, but then there are no shows. They don't show yeah. up. And I'm like, um, OK, did you uh, text them? The morning of, did you text them the hour before? Did you remind them with an email the day before? Like people's attention span, it's a, it's as good as a, you know, a, an episode of Rick and Morty. I mean, it's it's like it's, yeah. <laughs> you need you get the lead. That lead costs you a lot of money. 
Yeah. You had the salesperson, they called a bunch of people, they got them to commit. Now you're not going to remind them that, hey, tomorrow's the thing, or later today's the thing, or uh, right now is the thing, and, and half an hour getting in your car. You know, so th those are the kinds of things that you kind of have to do when you're dealing with internet leads because, again, they're, they're just, they're more fickle. So mm -hmm. that's, that's one aspect of it. Then the other aspect of it is that a lot of times, so that's the first part. The second part about the salespeople is, yeah, the salespeople need to be trained and yeah. they need to get continually trained. Like if you can, if you have uh, the ability to do like a half an hour sales training every morning, it's like people are going, or maybe it's voluntary, maybe it's mandatory, it doesn't matter then uh great but i remember when i was at uh oracle during the, the the three four years that i was there and this is we're talking 23 years ago they spend in that time that i was there the equivalent of uh a second master's degree in sales training for me because you could see how much these external sales trainings were uh because your it would hit your manager's cost center and I was like writing them down. And by the time I left there, they had done something like $30,000 worth of sales training for me. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of sales training. So with that level of ongoing sales training, then you can find your style and find your creativity and, you know, use tools that are available. So yeah, definitely the more trained your salespeople are, obviously they're going to have higher success. Then the last but not least is that uh, a lot of these SDRs, the sales development reps, or the you know the the guys that make the appointments for the sales yep. reps, they're missing the mark. They're like, when you get on the phone with the sales rep, he has like the amazing pitch, but the SDR got totally lucky that you gave him the appointment because the thing that he was saying was only five percent as amazing. It just happens to be that that five percent that you needed on that day. Or if you had heard that other pitch, your hit rate would have been 80%. Mm -hmm. So like the, the more, the further down you are in the organization, the more training you need. Yeah. Okay. And the training um, that you need, you can look at it from a, a results orientation and you can say, all right, let's say I'm an SDR. Okay. I'm going to be making a hundred calls a day. What is it that I'm trying to get these people to do well you know i'm trying to get them to meet with a sales rep okay but what's like the most common objection they're going to say the most common objection is going to be like well send me something i'll look at it yeah okay if they don't hang up on you if they're not you know <laughs> if you finally get them engaged in all likelihood they'll say send me something and i'll look at it well my argument is why not pre-digest that something and feed it to them right there on the phone. It's like, okay, I will send you this amazing PDF. It's about five pages long. It's graphics, got all the cool stuff in it. But what you learn in that PDF is this, boom. And then kind of like a mama bird is feeding the baby bird, right? You yep. know, putting the food right in their throats. Give them that. Mm. Give them the thing that they would take away from the collateral that you're going to send them and then send them the collateral. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, when people are 
sending me a note and they're like can i get 15 minutes of your time it's like why dude why exactly why why should we have a chat i mean i don't know you from adam i'm busy you know if i have 15 minutes i'm gonna do something with it so well, but joe i've got a very very innovative product i've got a very state-of-the-art widget right and and you hear that, that it's all about them it's not about you right and if that widget helped save another agency owner 40 percent on their cost per closed lead and that 40 percent represented six hundred thousand dollars over a four-month period then i'm interested in hearing about it that's it let's, let's look at it realistically why would a senior executive want to even talk to a salesperson well you know what because seniors executives do want to talk to salespeople well why yeah. would they want to do it there are only two reasons they would want to talk to any salespeople one is if they feel that the salesperson has they're going to learn something that they don't already know mm. okay the salesperson has some information that they need and they don't already know it okay that's the first reason and the second reason is that the salesperson has some sort of information that they they could use, they could need, they could benefit from, that their own team doesn't know it and can't get it, can't get it for them. And what is that stuff typically? Typically that stuff is related to competitive information. Yeah. Now, competitive information can be generic. It doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to identify the competitor if you have some sort of a non-disclosure thing going on. But if if I'm a CEO of a company or if I'm uh, the senior executive of a company and I hear from a salesperson and they're saying to me, look, I know you're an agency. I've seen about this many clients on your website. So I'm estimating you're probably about this size. Okay. I have three other agency clients, your size. Hmm. And these are the problems that they were facing. And this is the solution that alleviated two of those three problems for them. And they told me that this was the benefit that they got, they saw. Would you like to know more about that? So it's it's very personal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Basically what that's saying is, Joe, this guy just did a bunch of work and he's earned your 15 minutes of time. Absolutely. He's not begging for your time. He's actually earned your time. So you you would even if you talk to them and you don't need the solution, mm. it still be a decent conversation because you're finding out about these other competitors, what their problems were and how they solved them. And you know, what is their outstanding problem still? And then you Absolutely. can compare and contrast that to see if that's something that you're suffering from. Hundred percent. Because it, it piques the interest there rather than, hey, I've got this fantastic widget. Would you like some? <laughs> right. It's like, no, thanks. You just go into any retail store, and I'm sure it's the same in the States. You walk into a retail store in Australia, and the person in the retail store comes up and says, hello, can I help you? No, thanks, just looking, right? But to know that, and what you're saying is, I think this is a lesson of every single salesperson. And unfortunately, many salespeople do not think this way. And it's logical. It's logical to do your research. It's logical to try and find out where they're potentially exists the problem and how can I articulate that problem to the point where there's a level of interest there potentially that that person says, Hey, I think it's worth exploring, but I'm not going to sell you anything on the phone. 
we're just going to be looking for an opportunity to have a conversation to see where there's a other match and where there's a fit. But it's right. not about me. It's about that problem. If you've got a problem, great. If you don't right. have a problem, great. We've just had a great conversation. Right. And, and part of the problem for that is the, the demands that uh, sales managers put on salespeople. They're asking them to make 100 calls a day. It's impossible, right? It's impossible to make 100 meaningful calls a day, even oh, if yeah. you have a dialer. That's it. Okay. Um, or the lack of sales support, like sales support material. Imagine like if if you're saying to your salespeople, look, today we're going to call these types of profiles. These are the message that we're going to give them. This is the example. And here's the white paper. And here's a summary of the white paper. Mm. In case somebody says, send me something, you could put the summary there first. You could tell them and put it and then attach it. Yeah. Yeah. That's much more likely to get a positive reaction out of someone than you're just bugging the heck out of them time and time again. Yeah. And most so, of the time you're going to get the voicemail anyway, so I'm not going to answer the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had this SDR call me uh, and he was talking about uh, some sort of an AI uh, driven bookkeeping assist. And he was like, oh, we, we do we have an AI uh, solution that helps with uh, QuickBooks Online problems. I'm like, okay, so QuickBooks Online is just like kind of a lame software and it has a lot of shortcomings and these guys have an AI solution that helps with that. Yeah. Um, I just happened to be in a pickle with QuickBooks Online because I changed my bookkeeping company after 11 years to somebody else and they started flopping it. And so it just happened that when that SDR called, I was this person that was flopping it needed help with QuickBooks Online. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll listen to it. But then when I got the salesperson on the phone, it's like, yeah, we do completely all of your bookkeeping stuff. We replace your bookkeeper. We replace your QuickBook Online. We give you like a full-on bookkeeping solution with a dashboard that's in real-time data. You get every hour, you can get the latest about your company's financials. And it's all AI assist. We have an accounting support staff and we do all the taxes. I'm like, holy smokes, man. This is exactly kind of like every small business owner suffers from the problems that you guys are addressing. Yeah. But the SDR guy had no idea. I mean, he got lucky yeah. that I gave him the appointment. And in effect... He was doing me a disservice if he had failed to close me on that appointment. That's it. Like I really needed that solution. If he had not succeeded, yep. I would have been worse off. And you, you would know? have kept searching for a, for a solution, but it was right, was right in front of you. But that person didn't have the foresight to either ask the right questions or frame the conversation right. in an effective way to, to peak an interest. It's just... I mean, I, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. This is this is fascinating. Um, as we wrap up, though, Joe, I'd like to get a um, get some advice for listeners listeners who are who are going through this right now and thinking, you know what, where our conversion rates, our marketing is not necessarily working. Um, and I'll, I'll also ask you a question as to where they can find more about you and SalesX um, as well. If you could leave a sales leader or VP of sales that's listening to this right now with any advice in and around their, I guess, their strategy to increase their conversion rates, 
what would have been? And I know it's an open-ended question, but is there is there something based on your experience that is like a common theme that is a common problem that if we address this, you can start to make the difference? Yeah. I mean, besides the the tracking of the correct metrics, which is to me, if you want sales results, the metric to uh, track, which is not easy to do, it's difficult to do. Yeah. You have to do a lot of kind of work to be able to track that. And then you have to have the skills to know what to do with it, even after you track it. So it's not easy, which is good. Because if it was easy, everybody would do it and then you wouldn't have an edge. Uh, but that's the cost per closed lead, right? That's that's the one metric that I would say is the most valuable one. Yeah. Besides that, part of what people... Uh, most, most people fail to understand is that um, digital advertising, the business value that's inherent in digital advertising is more than just the one thing, which is additional revenues. That's mm -hmm. the one thing that we're, we're all thinking about when we're like, what's the point of advertising? And we're like, more revenues. Okay, that's number one. Okay, I've identified 11 other things besides that one that are also associated with business value of advertising technology. So if you go to the website, salesx.com slash BVAT, which stands for business value of advertising technology, mm -hmm. you'll see all 12 things and how to measure kind of how, how to do the math on each one of those things to measure the value. And so like some examples are like, besides direct revenue, you have opening new markets. We have, you have, optimizing existing markets, you have uh, cross-selling, you have reducing time to market, reducing risk, uh, increasing inventory turnover, reducing headcount, and just goes on and on. And all of those things, they can be measured and it could be tied back to advertising technology, which is yeah. what I've kind of put on that page. So if you want to check that out, it'll probably have some value for you. Grant, thank you. I'll put that in the show, no show notes. And if people want to connect with you, where's the best place? LinkedIn or uh, yeah, somewhere else? You can go LinkedIn or SalesX. I'm easy to find. So if you go to salesx.com, it's just the, the word sales and the letter X. Um, uh, it's it's easy to get a hold of me. The, if you just send in a note from there, I get that note. Awesome. We're, awesome. we're called SalesX, but we don't actually have any salespeople. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> me. I like 12 engineers is what, what's going on. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's brilliant. Hey, really enjoyed this conversation, Joe. It's um it's enlightening for me, and it's certainly going to help me in conversations I'm having with, with clients as well, particularly when it comes to things like pipeline or identifying leads. So it's been an invaluable conversation. And this this time, so close to Christmas, greatly appreciate you um carving out some time to have a conversation. Thank you, Darren. I really appreciate it. Happy holidays to you, my friend. You. To you as well. Thank Take you. Care. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.